people are always looking down at their phone. And it's a shame because there's so much life going on around us. Welcome to Unsung Leaders, a weekly podcast of behind-the-scenes innovators who you may not be familiar with. Now, Bill, these are team players who create workable solutions for society. People who do great things without needing to steal the spotlight. So come on, society, let's put down our selfie sticks and achieve great things. Together. Together. Hey, Steve. (laughs) You're in a mood today, I can tell. Oh, I'm fired up. Oh, he's fired up. I was on a plane last night from Orlando, which didn't get in until 1230. You do a lot of that stuff. I do, but I don't like when the pilot's bragging about, we're going to get you there early. Oh. And then you're sitting, then they say, you know, it's like, uh, I got some bad news. Uh, we got here so early, we got to sit out here on the runway. Oh, right. For 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my God, like there's pl- some plane's going to hit us because we shouldn't be here. Yeah. Let's talk about Bill. Yeah, I thought you were fired up because we, are, <laughs> we have, uh, as I am. Today, it's, it's your, it's, I love this. We have Bill Pugin, who is the founder of The Sign Language Company, uh, a premier sign language Which, kid. which, I'm sorry, which sign language company? It's <laughs> the, the got it, language okay. Company. It's the, it's not a. <laughs> The sign language company. That the <laughs> the no the premiere. That's right. That's correct. Uh, so we we have to mind our p's and q's here because uh, we're talking about communication strategies and effective communication uh, and how that relates in business and in life. Uh, and Bill's a really interesting guest from the aspect of his whole career is based on uh, interpreting for deaf people. Uh, what he hears and then uh, interprets into American Sign Language. So welcome, Bill. Thank you, Bill. And Steve. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so I've known Bill. I have, air, I have airplane stories, too, but I won't tell that, you. That's very right good. Now. We can um, get to them. Okay. Oh, dear. Okay. Here we go. I used uh, sign language last night on somebody who stepped on me. So middle I, fingers We'll talk count. about that later. That does not count. It's universal. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I know more than I thought. That's uh, good. There you go. You know, it's interesting. I'll just, I'll just t- tell you qu- real quickly. I've known Bill for uh, uh, just about 30 years. I was fresh out of film school and uh, was writing a script about an interpreter. And uh, I called the Amundsen Theater, which is the big theater in town here in Los Angeles. And I asked them, I said, who's the best sign language interpreter in town? And they said, Bill Pugin. Oh. And so I, I, uh, I got I a hold them. Do you remember that? I got a hold of you and I actually took uh, sign language courses because I wanted to crawl into the head of the, uh, the character I was writing. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. pretty miserable at it. I'm not a talented uh, uh, sign language uh, person, but uh, but Bill certainly is. So I'm glad that uh, he's on the show. And again, I, I think it's a really uh, fascinating topic uh, because so often, uh, as uh, Steve was mentioning pre-show, um, we hear in the we, green room in the green room in our green room here <laughs> at Embassy it. Row uh, Productions in Los Angeles um, uh, that people hear but they don't listen. And uh, that's true. And I, yeah, go ahead. But I'm just going to double back to what you said when you were my student. It, it, it was then when you were my student that I learned patience as well. <laughs> so. Now I'm giving you the sign language for the middle <laughs> finger. No, you were a good student, as I recall. I, um, I, I tried. I was, uh, yeah, I, you know, I was good. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I tend to give things 110 uh, percent sometimes in the wrong direction. But, you know, that's just life. So. Uh, that was then. So we've moved on. Yes. So your your uh, sign language company is found uh, founded in many different modalities. Uh, so you are a interpretation company, uh, and you interpret uh, all sorts of different uh, uh, things for different people, right? Can you talk a little bit yes. about that? 
Well, it's a full-service uh, interpreting agency where we contract with hospitals, law firms, school districts, businesses, um, individuals, uh, any any person or thing that needs interpreting. And, and because of the passage of the ADA back in 1990, the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, there's much more of a need for interpreters to make sure that everything is um, accessible for the deaf and hard of hearing. So um, that's, I had been interpreting, this is my 43rd year, I think now as an interpreter. And um, the way it sort of started for me was that I couldn't keep up with all the work. There was just, um, like the, the Amundsen referred me to you, but so did a lot of other people. So I, I couldn't do all the jobs that were coming my way. So I started to ask fellow interpreters if they could help me out. And uh, that's how the agency started. And then it just kind of built from there. Um, but we, we have all genres, including the entertainment industry. So we're, we're sort of the, the leading agency that works in film and television, commercials, music videos, and that kind of thing. Uh, as, as a conduit for deaf actors and then also to teach sign language to actors, is that correct? Right. Yeah, we on-set interpret for deaf actors, and we also tutor actors who have to sign um, for a variety of reasons, whatever their character um, is uh, and whatever their need for signing is. Um, there's an Ashton Kutcher movie we worked on that I worked on for several months called A Lot Like Love and he had to sign, he had to learn to sign because his brother in the film was a deaf actor, um, Ty Giordano, and then uh, his mother in the film also had to get t uh, tutored because she signed as well in the film. So um, it's, uh, yeah, we do a lot of tutoring for, for hearing actors. And like you had mentioned, you're not a one-man show, so you have a whole stable of very talented people. How do you, how do you maintain the quality of those people? How do you? Um... Oh, we don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> we try. <laughs> this is supposed we, to help we... your business. This podcast, not hurt it. So, uh... No, I'm all into honesty. Now. No, um, it, it's um, it's tough because we provide interpreting services nationwide. Uh, actually, internationally, we have people working in Canada and. Um, I've had people working in France and Mexico. And so um, I obviously can't meet each and every one of those uh, interpreters that's representing the sign language company, but I, I vet them pretty well. I'm, you know, Bill, this is Steve. I'm curious because uh, a lot of times I'll see interpreters uh, for national emergencies or important events where it's very kind of right down the middle in terms of what they're interpreting. But what I'm really curious about is how you how do you communicate tone? So, for example, uh, if you're, you know, again, this is not a political show. Uh, we're not into that. But if you were interpreting a speech for a, a high-ranking politician or someone who was very excited where the words were less important than the tone, like how do you handle that or how do you teach your other interpreters how to deal with that in terms of delivering the tone of the message as, as much as the words. Well, I, I wouldn't be teaching the interpreters because they would come with their skill set ready to, to do this. And they, they should already know that um, American Sign Language is 30% hands and 70% face and body. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And uh, so many things look the same. You can sign, are you happy? And you can sign, you are happy. And it's the same signs. But one's a question, one's a statement. And when we hear somebody using English and they ask us something, we, 
we know what they're asking because the tone <clears throat> is is obvious. But in sign language, we are conveying all this information visually to the deaf person. And every deaf person gets everything that we hear, they get visually, whether it's um, open caption, closed caption, writing notes back and forth, texting, emails, or sign language, um, or lip reading. If there are deaf people that don't sign and they rely on reading lips, it's really, really difficult, but they still are getting the information visually. So we, we call it matching register. If you are giving a speech or this politician is giving a speech and he or she is being just bombastic and angry and over the top and uh, loud, well, that's how we have to convey it because obviously the deaf person can see what the, what the person is looking like and how they're behaving, but we match register. If, if you're angry, I sign angry. If you're tender and demure, I sign that way too, so that we match. And that's, you'll also see that if you go to theatrical um, interpreted performances at theaters, where we are not just subtitles. We are humans trying to convey what we hear and what we see on stage to the deaf audience. Um, and that's why it's called interpretation and not translation, because we, we as individuals are interpreting. It's our interpretation of what we hear. Um, translation is, is document to document. That is a translation. But we, as well as spoken language interpreters, are interpreters and not translators. I will tell you one thing. One of my favorite Seinfeld episodes of all time was the lip reader. I don't know if you ever yeah, saw Yeah, with Marley. What, yeah, yes. <laughs> Where they're reading across the room and Kramer is watching, talking to the lip reader is like, oh my God, she said, do you want to sleep together? It was actually, she said, sweep together. And they misread it. It was right. a huge fight. Bill, were you, were you on that one? Bill is oftentimes the on-camera no, person with Marley Matlin. Oh, really? Marley or on, yeah. on set. On yeah. Set. I, didn't, I didn't do Seinfeld. I've done most everything else. Um, Seinfeld I didn't do, and I can't remember why, um, but... You know, when I'm with Marley, because I do with I work with her on, on set for most everything she does, um, she has groups of fans that always remember their favorite thing. And what you just said, Steve, was, you know, there's so many people that go, oh, I loved you in Seinfeld. Or there's other people that, I loved you in the West Wing. Or I loved you on the L Word. Or, you know, so there's all these different fractions of, of fans. Um, but that one was, was very well written and very funny. Uh, but it's it's a great example of even a master lip reader has to know what the context is because um, as good a lip reader Marley is, or my sister for, for that matter, if she just walked up to us having a conversation and I was talking to you, Bill or Steve, about I just bought a house with an island view and she read my lips, it looks exactly like I'm saying I love you. So she would not know that we were... We were talking about, you know, a house purchase with an island view. So oftentimes you have to set it up and you have to tell the deaf person, oh, we're talking about the weather. So when they see something on your lips like 66, which can look like 16 socks, you know, um, they'll, they have to guess. It's 70% it's guesswork lip reading. So they're thinking, okay, I think I saw 66. They must be talking about 66 degrees, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so it's, it's also a question deaf people get all the time is do you read lips? And, you know, we all sort of read lips. We, we lip read the best we can, but 
um, you know, it's it's a it's a real skill, and not everybody can do it. Well, in their their lip reading in, in English in in ASL or American Sign Language, the the word order is different, isn't it? Yeah, the structure is different. Right. ASL is its own um, grammatical language for sure. It's not based on English. So in English, our our structure is subject, verb, object. I go to the store. I eat my food. Uh, in ASL, it's object, subject, verb. Store me go. Car me drive. Food me eat. Um, I once heard that Yoda speaks in American Sign Language. Is that correct? <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> St- Storgo, I, Luke. You know what Yoda's last name is? No. Lehi who? <laughs> Yoda Lehi who? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it took me a second. I got uh, it. I got it. I got it. Uh, Yoda Lehi who? Yeah. <laughs> How do you interpret what people say in general differently? Because a lot of times I have to, I listen to people, I go, okay, I have to filter out all the bullshit to get to the stuff that really matters. And it's a lot of work sometimes. Well, I think a lot of interpreters do because I, I often wonder how I would interpret that. And um, I do have a little sign on my desk given to me by, Mar- by Marley, actually, that says, I am silently correcting your grammar because I'm, I'm a huge... <laughs> Gramophile, is that the word? Um, when I hear a mistake, it is like nails on a chalkboard. And people make mistakes when they give speeches or when they're speaking in general that can drive me nuts after a while. And uh, also space fillers. You realize how many times people say um or er or, uh, you know, while they're, while they're thinking, they're actually vocalizing. And how many times people use like like a valley girl, you know, so she's all like, anyway, we're like, and then like they, and these are, these are things that you don't interpret because they don't really belong in the sentence. It's just how we speak in English. But I am constantly listening to how people put things together and how beautiful some speakers are. I, I have had the luck um, and the honor to interpret for every living president except the current one. Um, and uh, also for people like the Dalai Lama and Princess Diana and Elizabeth Taylor, a lot of people uh, who who speak for a living. I mean, this is what they do. They have they have audiences, and I can tell you the probably the the two best people um, to interpret for are the Clintons. Uh, Bill Clinton, I, I have interpreted for three times, and Hillary once. And what comes out of their mouth, Obama as well, it's just eloquent and effortless, and it makes beautiful sense. And after a while, you sort of, as the interpreter, you find yourself in this space where your hands are just sort of dancing in the air, and then you speak, you interpret for someone else where your hands are not dancing in the air. They're, they're, they're stilted, and they're looking for the right word, and, and it does not flow. So when you get a speaker... Of great intelligence, it's it's so beautiful to interpret. For. The way you say that is so interesting. It's almost as if your hands have a mind of their own, that your tra- your hands are are leading and you you are following. Is that is, do you get a sense of that when you're in the flow of it? When you're in the zone, absolutely. Even if for a play, if it's a well written play, it's a it's a very talented playwright, and the actors are in their zone. 
then we are in ours because it just feels right. It just, everything is moving in unison. There are, there are a lot of different styles to interpret. My style is um, pretty fast. I mean, I, every interpreter has a lag time. We are behind the speaker. And I don't have a lot of lag, and I never have, and that's just my style. Uh, but you'll see interpreters who, who are so far behind the speaker, uh, but they never forget what the speaker said. They, they're able to stay with them, even though they're several sentences behind. And I'm always in awe of those interpreters, because I don't know how they do it. I have a very short attention span and a short um, memory, I guess. That's fascinating. And you're actually... Uh, uh a listening improv performer in a sense because you never know what they're going to say. Right. And you're in that zone. And I think people have talked about this before where a comedian or a speaker will turn to the interpreter and put them in the spotlight and either play with them or joke with them. Uh, and it's always uncomfortable because now we are splitting our brain into um, I'm here to interpret what you're saying, but now you're talking about me and you're waiting for me to react. And it takes us out of that zone. It takes us out of um, that comfortable place of being the interpreter because now we're sort of part of the act and it's never comfortable. It, it feels to me that that would be almost a, a point of desperation for the, for the performer. It's not going well, so they turn to you because they don't want to be alone on the stage. Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but I can come tell on you, in. It's, exactly. <laughs> Somebody help me. Stop what you're doing. It, but it's very confusing for the deaf audience members because they're now, um, they're looking at us as the voice of that person. Or, well, yeah, our hands are the voice of that person. And now it's it's becoming very convoluted and, and it's... Uh, we always have to say, oh, he's talking He's talking to me right now. We have to sign that sort of, you know, sotto voce, <laughs> sotto mano. And uh, it's just awkward and, and never fun. And people do it all the time. And comedians will say a dirty word or they'll say something and then they'll slow it down and they'll look over at us and they'll say it again because they want to see how we sign it. And, you know, it, it's great for the hearing audience. They They think it's really fun. Um, but it just puts us in a, in a, in a weird place. <laughs> and because of the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, do you sometimes sign to, uh, uh, in situations where there might not be deaf people? Or do you know if there's deaf people out there? We don't always know, and they don't have to identify. You know, um, if it's something that's open to the public, then that means it has to be accessible with wheelchair ramps and, and um, lighting and, and, you know, uh, disabled handicap um, bathroom stalls, whatever it has, they have to retrofit places that are open to the public, um, and also provide interpreting services. So what they often do is they will hire us. Well, they'll have interpreters either signing on stage to nobody or uh, just at the ready, which always makes more sense because I've often told people that by having interpreters interpret to no deaf people. It's the same as having a Spanish interpreter speaking into a microphone and the headset that would be on the head of a Spanish-speaking person is draped over the back of a chair. So why are they speaking into the microphone to the chair? We don't need the practice. Um, you know what I mean? So, it, it, But they are making it accessible, and, and that's always a good thing. Do you find you ever deal with somebody who's intimidated by you being there and then is there no. some sort of... Yeah. I mean, in all the years I've done this, if they're a professional person that's been around, you know, and they're, this is what they do, then they're used to that. 
And like most audience members too, when an audience sits down and they see that there's this is an interpreted performance, they look over, they see us, and then they look back to the stage and they completely forget about us. Um, I mean, there are some hearing people that we see in the audience that just stare at us for the entire show because they're fascinated. But uh, most people just kind of go, oh, the interpreters are here, and then they, they don't pay any more attention. So speakers, I've never had that experience with speakers. I have definitely had that experience <laughs> with actors right. um, who do not want uh, interpreters on the side of the stage. And, you know, it's too bad. They, we, we have to be there. We're contracted by the theater. Um, but I won't name them, but there are some, some people who just are livid that somebody could possibly steal focus from them. Let me ask you a question. So one day this, you will say, okay, it's, it's time to hang up the boots and, uh, the gloves, the gloves, <laughs> right. the hands, who would be like, who is your dream person to, to interpret? Like if you said, I'm going to go out top of the mountain, like who would, who would I love to stand next to and kind of say, this is time to wrap it up. Who is that person? Good God, Steve. He's already interpreted for the Dalai Lama. I know. I, I know. So <laughs> There's talking, nowhere to go. About the Clintons, the Dalai Lama. Um, honey Boo Boo. <laughs> <laughs> but there has to be that one person. They're you know, that's a good question. I never... Really, when when I look at my wall of shame or the whatever I have in my office here, I really have had the the luck and the honor, like I said, to interpret for so many people. And I I don't know. I I would really have to we'll have to do a part two of the podcast because I I would have to think of. Well, I'll, um, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that when he talked about wall of shame, he actually has a photo wall in his house. Do you still have that, Bill? Of all yeah. the, uh, of a, just a sampling of the people. But there's one picture that stands out, and it's a young Meryl Streep with an 8x10 of Bill Pugin, and she's looking <laughs> at the 8x10 lovingly. And I th always thought that like, was the coolest photo yeah. ever. It's like she's holding a, a, a rare Greek urn or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new nickname for you, rare Greek urn. Rare you know, Greek I, urn. The reason yeah. I ask that question, because there actually may be somebody that Bill would want to do that, that wouldn't be like, like for, uh, the top person. Because if someone said to you, what do you want your last meal to be? It would probably be something I wouldn't ordinarily eat because it would be bad for you. <laughs> so I was hoping maybe I'd get that weird, quirky, you know, and Honey Boo Boo actually answered it. There it is. Actually, Honey Boo Boo's mom. What's her name? I, I would. Mrs. Boo Boo. Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Honey. I think um, this is all a boo, big Boo Boo person. <laughs> Mama June. That, that's right. Mom we have editing doing. capabilities here, Bill. Come on. Actually, okay. Actually, you know who would be fun? I think it would be fun to interpret Dolly Parton. Only oh. because she has so many great stories. And she always comes across... Um, I'm trying to remember if I've met her. But she always comes across uh, like she's, you know, fresh off the farm in Tennessee. And that she's not worth all this money. And um, Oh, my God. I think she would be really fun if she gave a... I don't necessarily want to interpret her songs. Uh, I don't song signing. I used to do a lot in the seventies and eighties and even nineties, but um, song signing is it's lost its luster for me, but to interpret a speech by her, I think it'd be great fun. Uh, and going back to when you were giving your speech, Steve, you know, you have a good interpreter. If you ad lib something and the audience laughs and then uh, seven seconds later, you hear more laughter. So the one thing, take, the one takeaway, Bill, uh, what do you, 
to be a more effective communicator uh, to tell our, our our listening audience what what do you think that is if you were to boil it down because here you are in a profession that notices so many nuances of the of not only the human language but of communication practices what do you think it would be it it's uh, to pay attention um, you, I'm sorry you I'm ha- sorry what <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you were writing it down weren't you <laughs> Um, to not multitask and to pay attention because that whole active listening thing is, is what we have to do in this profession. And when you uh, meet or communicate with a deaf person, they are, that's what they're doing. My, my sister, to this day, I mean, she speaks beautifully. I think I said she has two master's degrees. She's my, you know, my hero. If I'm in the room with her and we're communicating and we're signing and uh, she also speaks. And because she spoke to me when I was a little kid, I didn't know sign language then, she's sort of, um, she's used to speaking to me. If I leave the room, if I, if I am out of her line of vision just to grab a bottle of water, you know, I'll tell her, keep talking, I hear you. And they, she can't. It, once, once the eye contact is broken, then they stop because they don't know if we're paying attention. So... Paying attention, I think, is is the number one thing. And really listen to what the other person is saying. So, I mean, in life, so you know how to respond. But in my profession, so you know how to interpret it. That's really, really sage advice. Uh, I find that a lot in my practice is that the people that can connect. Um, and um, the exec- I actually uh, work with executives. And the first thing I tell them to do is when they're in a meeting to uh, turn off their phone and to really make eye contact. It's such an important thing. Yeah. It's a lost art right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, people people are always looking down on their phone. And um, it's a shame because so much of life is going on. I was on a cruise last a year ago, August, in Alaska. And um, uh, my father-in-law said to these two little boys, who were probably 12, we were in Glacier Bay, and he just... He's 83 years old, and he walked by, and they were both on their phones playing Game Boys or whatever they're doing. Fortnite. Yeah. And he said, why don't you put those down and look out the window? You've never seen a glacier before, and you'll probably never see another one. I bet your parents would really appreciate knowing that they brought you on this cruise, and you're paying attention to what's outside. And these kids were like, okay, granddad, I don't know who you are talking to me that way, but, you know, and they put their phones away and looked out the window. And um, I think we're just so used to not paying attention that it's you know just it's what we do now but in in my line of work you have to um and well and in everyone lines everyone's line of work actually that's a that's such a, a great uh, statement to make for the end of our podcast so okay. uh and there it is so steve do you have any by the way they're using sign language back here bill they're like this thing across like cut like wrap stop. it up and wrap it up. They're doing you know, a they're doing a circle by the ear. I think that means we're crazy. I'm not sure. Um, oh, so. well, if, if there was a camera on this podcast, I could show you some other signs. But um, <laughs> y- before we hang up, don't you don't you want to know what completely silenced five thousand people as the audience of the Dalai Lama? Do you want to know what he said? Bill, what silenced the Dalai Lama's audience? One question from the audience was to His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Your Holiness, is it okay to kill a mosquito? Well, you could hear a pin drop. I mean, everybody wow. was leaning forward. And uh, he has an assistant next to him that sort of interprets for him, you know, just to make sure he gets it. 
and he, <laughs> of course, I'm leaning back. I'm, I'm, I'm close to him, but I'm trying to, you know, he's not that easy to understand. But he said, you might want to write this down, Bill. Okay. He I'm said, attention. when mosquito land on my arm, I shoo it away. If mosquito come back, I kill it. <laughs> and he slapped his arm when he said, I kill it. <laughs> so you have to learn from your mistakes, I guess. That's or you have to hope that that's the same mosquito that you landed get, on your arm. <laughs> right, exactly. No, you get one chance. Murderer. You get one chance. You get that's one right. chance in life, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I so when Bill uh, filled me in, Bill, what you were, what you were up to in life, uh, it was it seemed very interesting because we are in a communications crisis in this country, I think, because between people keeping their heads down and looking at their phones and not looking people in the eye and Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go, falling off cliffs. But we but we are in a moment in time where like everybody's yelling and no one's listening. Yeah. And I think uh, what Bill mentioned er earlier, we can all hear, but we not, none of us listen. And uh, right. I actually learned a great lesson from my daughter when uh, I was talking to her about doing her homework. In mid-sentence, and I didn't think I was yelling, she looks at me and she said, Dad, when you yell, I don't hear anything. Yeah, that's <laughs> and good. And I said, that's really a very profound line. And yeah. uh, so I, I do think in the world we're in today, we all need to do a better job listening and communicating and I love the simplicity of what you do in terms of communicating messages for other folks. Well, well, thank you so much for sharing uh, your knowledge, Bill. And, uh, and uh, thank you, audience, for listening uh, to our show. And, uh, Steve, do you have anything else to, to say? Bill, I believe I do, and it's written down here somewhere. Oh, here we go. Okay. Is, it go. This, is this the show closer? Yeah, but we don't have to do it right now. No, but uh, I want to hear it. Okay, here we go. Right. And speaking of contribution, we'd like to sing the praises of the unlungs of. Sam, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna mess it up. Right, it's start, okay. Start it's again. So, start here's again. the thing. No, you don't have to start again. We want to be authentic here. That would have been hard to interpret, Bill. <laughs> Hold on, his hands froze. Yeah, my hands froze. <laughs> when you get your thoughts together, I'll be ready. Okay, here we go. So no, wait, let's do this one. This one. Our yes. mission <laughs> is to provide the inspirational stories of society's team players and that my friend is you that is correct now that i can i can get on board on that so thanks so much <laughs> thanks so, so much for what you do and being so funny and uh delightful bill we, uh, hey. we appreciate you having you on the show thank you guys it was my pleasure thanks bill this was a lot of fun thank you very much thanks steve thanks for listening to unsung leaders this podcast both showcases and is made possible through the talents of many people and on that note, we'd like to know about the unsung leaders in your life. Those people that have pulled together to create something that has positively impacted you or made a difference in your community. Our mission is to provide the inspirational stories of society's team players. So please nominate the team players in your life to potentially become guests on our show. By logging on to www.unsungleaders.com, you may be giving us all the opportunity to hear their stories and learn from their content. And speaking of contribution, we'd like to sing the praises of the Unsung Leaders team. Da 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 da! Our producer and sound engineer, Josh Fisher. Production facilities provided by Embassy Row. With a special shout out to Shannon Hawes Perry, who oversees our experience here 
and makes it very easy for all of us. And for all of us at Unsung Leaders, I'm Bill Benson. And I'm Steve Mosco. Teaming up to make a difference.